0: Welcome to SARC Talk. SARC is a nonprofit cancer research organization that develops and manages clinical research trials in pediatric and adult sarcomas. This episode of SARC Talk is part two of a three-part series that was recorded at SARC's Research Advocacy
1: Council meeting. Hello, Scott Okuno here from Houston, Texas. We are at the SARC Research Advocacy Council meeting and we're here with the UT Sarcoma team. Uh, We'll have you introduce yourselves and then we'll ask some questions.
2: My name is Yvette Ho. I am one of the orthopedic oncology surgeons at UT Houston.
0: Thank you. Um, My name is Erica Giles. I'm also one of the orthopedic
1: oncology surgeons.
0: And I'm Dr. Jessica Jones, dedicated medical oncologist for our
1: sarcoma team. Well, welcome. You've been here all day today and you've heard a lot of good information about SARC. I would ask, what did you learn new here about SARC that you didn't know prior to coming here today?
0: If I may say, I think I didn't realize just how much work and thought went into the collaborative, inclusive, multidisciplinary approach that SARC takes when they undertake research consideration for their trials.
1: I appreciate you understanding that. We also know that you have a multidisciplinary team here. Can you describe how your multidisciplinary team works here at UT?
2: Well, I think for sarcoma it's really critical that we all work together all the time. There's just so much heterogeneity in diagnoses. There's not really very well-established set protocols for treatment and so A lot of what we do is kind of based on a lot of working together to figure out diagnosis, and especially nowadays with next-generation sequencing.
1: Dr. Ho, you did say that you learn from other people, and having multiple people dealing with sarcoma brings different facets to your group, and specifically for our patients. How does UT pull together those multidisciplinary team members to come up with a game plan or treatment plan for patients. And I understand you do have a multidisciplinary tumor board? We do have a multidisciplinary tumor board, including one of our musculoskeletal sarcoma
3: specialized pathologists. Our our radiation oncologists are often included, as well as our interventional uh, radiologists who help us with a lot of our biopsies for diagnoses. We have many surgeons uh, from uh, many different specialties, including orthopedics. Um, but we also have spine surgeons that join us and general surgeons. And then of course, our, our wonderful medical oncologists who help care for our patients.
1: Yeah. We sometimes think that treating sarcoma is just one medical discipline. But sarcoma, like other tumors, I think sarcoma, like many other tumors, does require multidisciplinary input. And sounds like you put together a very good team here. How does it really function? Do you do that every week, or how often do you guys meet, and how often do you reach outside of UT to get additional input?
0: So I'm, I'm so glad you asked, Dr. Akuno. We meet weekly with our multidisciplinary team, as previously mentioned, from pathologists, radiologists, medical oncologists, surgeons, And not only do we try to include the team at UT, but with our affiliation with our Memorial Hermann system, we also do outreach with community oncologists that have sarcoma patients that would like to incorporate their care with our UT system so they can get that kind of subspecialized um, recommendations for sarcoma.
1: So part of it is some of our patients might not have the capacity to actually come here, so you actually physically provide input, guidance, and actually somehow get individuals that do need expert care to your place.
3: It's so true. Sometimes we'll have to have our pathologists and our radiologists input um, into, like, to come up with a final diagnosis, and then they may not all be able to come down to see Dr. Jones. So she'll see them and then help guide their care through um, through somebody closer to home, mm-hmm. just to enable um, everybody to get top notch care.
1: Yeah, no, I and mean, the goal is to make sure that the right people yeah. see the patients and get top notch care. We spent the whole day talking about what SARC was, what it is, where we think it needs to go in the future. We do have uh, great input from our patient advocacy group here, and they're very active, as you heard today, and they provide a lot of great input. How do you see your team incorporating patient advocacy, and how do you see SARC going forward after spending a whole day with us today on that?
0: I think what was most impressive was not only the questions and the engagement that the SARC leadership wanted to hear from, the, from our patient advocacy groups that were present today, but hearing the needs, the desire, the focus and, and engagement that they had to say to help guide the direction in the future for SARC. Most importantly, I'd like to highlight what I'm going to take away tonight is the diversity in research and the call to bring our disparate communities, our minority patients to the table and to have more representation on the SARC leadership panel.
3: I completely agree with Dr. Jones. I've I've learned so much about how important it is to have input from both sides, not just from the clinicians and the scientists, but from the patients, and the diverse patients that we treat when we design these trials and run these trials. Because ultimately, it's those patients that you need to recruit, and it's those patients that we're caring for.
1: One thing that's unique probably at UT is that you do have a very diverse patient population. Sometimes when you see studies that are published, they're mostly high social economic ability to get to clinical trials, have the means to travel to these places. But you know, we know a vast majority of the individuals do not enroll in clinical trial but do get care locally. How does UT handle the diverse population here and what additional resources do you bring to bear for those individuals?
0: I think that patient engagement and outreach, especially identifying very early on with our nurse navigation team that accompanies our patients from the time of consideration diagnosis to confirm diagnosis after biopsy and as soon as they're enrolled in our program Every patient has a nurse navigator assigned to them that regardless of ethnicity, regardless of financial situation, a social worker, a navigator, and a chaplain are there to support them through any potential need that may arise.
1: You're right because when we have patients diagnosed with an ultra rare tumor, sarcoma accounts for less than 1% of all tumors, and they don't think anybody around them has this disease Have never even heard this disease, having a navigator does kind of calm people down and say, no, there are additional things above and beyond the surgical aspect, the radiology aspect, the medical oncology aspect. You, You treat the holistic person. I appreciate that and that's what I heard when you guys were discussing what you guys do at UT here. How can SARC be a better support An engaging patient advocacy group, which already has those navigators that already have those connectors already.
2: Well, it sounds like meetings like this are really critical for that. I guess I wasn't as familiar with the breadth of all the different patient advocacy groups that are out there, and seeing this meeting today and their engagement, their enthusiasm. You know, I mean, it's an amazing resource to kind of harness. It's just that there's such a massive you know, spread of <laughs> different and groups.
0: Dr. Acuno, to circle back, as we mentioned, we, we know that while we do great work, we can't take care of everybody. And so when we do have our tumor boards and we do offer recommendations and our patients do get that level of care with their local community or outside in rural Texas oncologists, it was very empowering for all of us to hear. We couldn't stop saying what these patient advocacy groups can bring to the table and how wonderful it is that SARC brings them all together. And it's a, it's a unique space to empower patients moving forward as well as letting us know what's out there. Yeah.
1: Some of our patient advocacy groups, as you heard today, are highly functional teams. They have their own medical advisors. They have their own research committees. They're raising funds, supporting funds. Uh, actually some of them are actually working on clinical trials but then you have other groups that just have passion but they need to go through a learning step and I think what we're hearing today is that part of the role of SARC collaborating with the research advocacy council is to mentor younger patient advocacy groups to say what is important, what are trials, how do you engage because we heard today there are about 30 to 50 different patient advocacy groups, and various levels of maturity, is to use a simple term, out there. And we're seeing the cream of the crop in our group because they've kind of went through all these struggles to get to their point. But there are other groups that probably need a little bit more help and that we'll continue to engage. Are there any final thoughts that you all have after a whole day here uh, in beautiful, and I hate to say it, sunny uh, Houston. It's actually sunny because I'm from Minnesota and I think we have uh, sunny, but it's probably four feet of snow. But yeah, thoughts.
3: Um, I think that this was a wonderful day. It was a wonderful learning opportunity for me just to understand more about how SARC can support clinical trials. Um, and not just like fully fleshed out, but helping bring the scientific background and helping them find funding and then working with the patient advocacy groups to make that happen for whatever you want to do. Um, just learning that there's a resource there available for all of this and everything that SARC can bring to the table I think was fantastic.
2: Um, also, to your ability to link different sites because sarcoma's so rare. You can't generally rely on one location to provide enough patients for real um, data. So this really is kind of the future of sarcoma medicine, I think, is SAR, this kind of collaborative effort to bring everyone together so we can get real research and solid data to
0: guide our practices in the future. Great. What I'm most excited to take away from this meeting is not only the investment the personal time, the personal energy that the SARC leadership this this group has for these for our patients by involving patient advocacy, but what they also have for those of us are us young investigators who are starting our career and how to make sure that we stay with this career, knowing that COVID has shown us and we talk about mental health and we talk about burnout. And it's so it's it's just so refreshing to know that we have this group, SARC dedicated to the success of patients as well as researchers.
1: So thank you all three of you for spending a whole Saturday with us. Your engagement during our Mm -hmm. conversations were greatly appreciated and one thing I'm hearing is we would like to have other younger investigators come to our meetings as well because now it sparks some interest, desire and passion and actually probably you should be going home tonight to your families. And the first thing you should be doing is submitting concepts for us to work on. So we do appreciate that. And uh, we look forward to continued collaborations. Again, thank you all. Appreciate it. Thank you.
0: Thank you you for listening. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss a SARC Talk. To find out more about SARC, please visit our website at sarktrials.org. To suggest a topic or ask questions, please email us at sarctalk at sarctrials.org. And remember, together we can find a cure for all forms of sarcoma.